What's up, guys? You're listening to the 509 Car Club podcast. If you're a car enthusiast from the 509, then you're in the right place. If you're not from the 509, then stay and listen because we might say something relevant. What's up, guys? We're back with another podcast. We got some, we got a lot of topics, a lot of electric topics. If you guys are um, looking forward to that, but we're going to be kicking it off with a, a recall, um, quite a, a big one, I would say, by Mercedes Benz. And they're recalling 744,000 cars for the panoramic sunroofs that could come off. So sedans from 2001 through 2011 are affected, including the C-Class, the CLK-Class, the CLS-Class, and the E-Class. And the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration has announced a recall of nearly 750,000 U.S. market Mercedes-Benz vehicles because sunroof glass panels can separate from their frames. So you could be driving on the freeway and your roof just comes off. Imagine that. What, what year was that car made in? Um, I think it was 2001 to 2011. How does my roof not fall off if mine's from 1990? Because yours isn't a Mercedes. <laughs> so it's fine. But yeah, <laughs> but this recall only affects older Mercedes sedans up to the 2011 model year. But no injuries or accidents have been reported. The company is also under the NHTSA audit and must pay up to $20 million in fines for mishandling previous recalls. Which is crazy. Which really isn't that big of a fine, but it is. Um, But yeah, so they're literally recalling all of these Mercedes sedans um, because the panoramics roofs, um, if you don't know, it's just the glass roofs. they the glue that helps hold the panel to the frame um, wears away, and that's what gives the ability for the glass to come off of the roof as you're driving. So they didn't use the correct glue, and and they didn't seal it down correctly. It's the glue that connects the sliding frame. It degrades. Um, Wabasto. I don't know who that is, <laughs> is the supplier. Did not apply enough primer coating to the frame during installation. The automaker said Mercedes begins investigating the problem in December 2017 when it received reports of detached sunroofs outside the U.S. and couldn't come up with a clear root cause until an unspecified date after November 2018, according to the filing. The automaker did not say how many sunroofs have broken or report any accidents or in- injuries. But they're getting fined $20 million last month for mishandling dozens of recalls and is now under a two-year audit by the NHTSA. Owners of 2001 through 2011 Mercedes-Benz sedans can enter their VIN on the automaker's website to find out if it is involved in the recall. So if you have a Mercedes and you're kind of in this category, I'd recommend you go check that out so your roof doesn't fall off while you're driving. For real. Just a recommendation. But yeah, starting off on a good note. But to have a more lighter topic, we're going to jump into Miatas. Yes. We all love Miatas. Yes. Um, especially manual Miatas. Yes. So, um, the whole title is Mazda Miata Buyers Kept the Stick Shift Alive in 2019. 
Every day, we car enthusiasts are warned that the manual transmission is dying. Automatic shift quicker, accelerate faster, and deliver superior fuel economy. The stick shift is old-fashioned and out of date. But, it seems someone forgot to tell Miata buyers about the death of the manual transmission. In the 2019 model year, the majority of the delightful drop tops that Miata sold or that Mazda sold, were equipped with three pedals. Turns out between July 2018 and April 2019, 76% of soft-top Miatas were sold with a manual transmission. The number was a bit lower for the retractable hardtop Miata RF, just 52% were sold with a stick shift. Still, that means the majority of Miatas were manuals. That's especially heartening news considering that manuals are dwindling even among enthusiast vehicles. During a similar period, just one in three Toyota 8.6s were sold with a manual transmission. And let's not forget that all new mid-engine C8 is the Corvette since 1957, and that doesn't offer an available manual transmission anymore. So the manuals are dying, except in the Miatas. So whoever bought a Miata from 2018 to 2019, I just want to say thank you for keeping the manuals alive because it is very important. That we keep them alive, especially everything switching to electric now. Mm-hmm. So not only are we, not only is automatics faster and, and better and better fuel economy and all that, but we're also switching to electric. So those are two things that are just going to kill the manual, sadly, but it's going to happen. There will soon become a day where no production vehicles off the line will be manual. And that'll be a sad day. Sad, sad think, day. Think of how many people will start doing manual swaps and like making businesses out of them. So we'll be sad. <laughs> manual swap. Yeah, that's going to become like a thing. <laughs> like shops just for manual swaps. Literally. <laughs> manual swap electric cars. Yeah. Was the new uh, the new Porsche. That's all electric. The Taycan or whatever it's called. Um, it actually has gears. Really? Yeah. Is it the way that I was talking about a long time ago? Um, yes, in the sense like that, but, um, so instead of having a real longitudinal, uh, increase in power and torque, like all the electric cars do like Tesla's, um, the Porsche actually has gears. I think it has four speeds. Um, and it's, um, and it's, uh, and all electric. It's a Porsche's first all electric car and it has 750 horsepower. That's the way to go. Like, it's crazy. Manual electric. It's not manual. It just has gears. If they found a way to make manual electric, I don't know how. But that'd be badass. That'd be... But people are calling it the supercar killer. That Porsche. Because it has crazy acceleration and all that stuff. So, I'm excited to see what Porsche is going to do with that car. Yeah, but what I'm not excited to see is Jeep. <laughs> Jeep shows uh, the Wrangler, the Renegade, and the Compass as a plug-in hybrid at CES. Um, they showed what they look like, but they didn't say anything about the powertrains. Um, but anyways, Jeep has unveiled its new lineup of plug-in hybrid models at CES, which will be badged as a 4XE. The company isn't providing any details about these new versions of the Wrangler, Renegade, and Compass yet, but more information will be available later this year at the New York, Geneva, and Beijing auto shows. 
But Jeep announced the name of its new 4XE plug-in and hybrids last week, and now it's shown them off in the flesh at the 2020 CES Technology Show in Las Vegas. Unfortunately, we can't get the company to share any details about the powertrains, but look at them up close. Shows what differentiates them from the outside. Um, the most obvious clue is the charging port, and they're all on the front fender. I think they're yeah, I think they're all on the front fender uh, on the driver's side or um, on the rear quarter panel. For the Wrangler, it's on the front driver's side, and for the uh, the Compass and the Renegade, it's on the back driver's side. But, but I think it's going to be a 1.3 liter inline four gasoline engine combined with an electric motor. Um, so it'll have good gas mileage, yet it's still electric. Jeep is another company I didn't really expect to hop into that market quite yet, but mm -hmm. I'm not surprised, which is not full electric. It's just a hybrid, but I'm not surprised that they're dipping into that market. Especially, I feel like a lot of people who enjoy nature are fans of the electric vehicles. So it makes sense. True. It makes sense. <clears throat> it's not a bad way to go. But that'll be interesting to see when they release more information about it. Um, so we'll uh, keep you guys updated on that as much as we can. But on to the next more electric cars. So Sony reveals Vision S concept. Stakes claim to be a part of the electric car future. So the elect electronics company Sony displayed its mastery of a 360-degree in-car audio, connectivity, and sensor technology with the surprise prototype electric car. Mm -hmm. So this was a big surprise. Nobody saw it coming, um, but they revealed it. I don't know where they revealed it at. Oh, the CES technology show. Same place Jeep revealed theirs. Uh, but their concept, their concept car, the Vision S, is an electric vehicle equipped with 33 sensors, LiDAR radar, and cameras, plus 360-degree immersive audio and a panoramic screen stretching across the front dashboard. The point is to showcase Sony's capability for in-car entertainment and cloud technologies inside a vehicle. Sony made no suggestion that the car would go into actual production. So they might just be showing off to show what Sony has that they have capability, but they're, since obviously they're building a electric car, you know, it's in their head. So, you know, someday they could be an actual, um, company who builds electric cars, but it made its appearance at the CES technology show and was highly anticipated mainly in the hope it's new PlayStation five gaming console would be revealed. Not because the company was expected to show a Sony electric vehicle. Nobody anticipated that the turn of four events for the manufacturer that last year at CES focused on an 8K TVs and audio technology. As it turned out, Sony only showed a logo to, to tease PlayStation 5, but the Vision S Sony's electric concept car was rolled out onto the stage near the end of the company's presentation, surprising just about everybody. Sony said the Vision S is part of a new innovative or initiative to put on display its technological pro prowess. Looks like progress, but they spelled it wrong. And capabilities in the area of mobility. The company made no suggestion that the car was destined for production. See if there's some drivetrain. The all-wheel drive concept sits on a newly developed electric vehicle platform that Sony says would be adaptable to a coupe, sedan, and SUV body types. It is powered by a dual motor system and weighs 5,180 pounds. Sony specs estimate a 0 to 60 miles per hour time of 4.8 seconds and a maximum speed of 149 miles per hour. 
The company didn't offer details about battery capacity or range. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. It doesn't look bad. I mean, it looks like electric vehicle. <laughs> um, the interior, it's pretty, it's pretty plain. It's kind of like a Tesla interior. Um, just a lot of screens, a lot of um, touch screens for HVAC controls and all that stuff. They got 360 degree audio. Um, probably pretty decked out. I mean, look at it. There are also rear-facing screens in the back of the front headrests. Look at the car real quick. Scroll up. Scroll up. What if they just bought a... Because it's Sony, you know, they have so much money. What if they just bought a bunch of Teslas and just, like, put some new parts on them and, like... Change up the body. Mm -hmm. No, it looks like the Porsche Taycan. Have you seen the Porsche Taycan? Yeah, honestly, what it looks like in my opinion. Yeah. There's some guy over here giving a review on a Supra. <laughs> Get out of here. But yeah. Everybody wanted a PlayStation 5 and Sony gave you a car. <laughs> and that's, that's pretty much what it comes down to. We all wanted video games and they dropped a freaking electric car. We have too many electric cars. We really don't need any more. We need more video games. All right. So until the PlayStation 5 comes into hand, don't have me. Or the X, the new Xbox. When's that new Xbox coming out? Probably this year. I don't know. Looks like a computer. It's gonna be lit. And just to bother you guys anymore, <laughs> Hyundai and Uber are making air taxis, and it says that they could be a thing soon. Hyundai's concept for a fully electric air taxi fits up to four passengers and is piloted for now. The eventual plan is riding is to write and sharing and self-flying planes. So not only is self-flying cars a scare, but now they're making self-flying planes. <laughs> what's what's your thought on that? I'm worried about the terrorists. <laughs> <laughs> Just remote control planes into a building. That's terrible. It'd be horrible. Um but yeah, let's read a little bit more about this. The full-scale concept plane unveiled at the CES Technology Show this week fits up to four passengers and is piloted for now. The code named is S-A1. The electric air taxi is meant to cruise at speeds up to 180 miles per hour and at altitude of 1,000 to 2,000 feet. That's crazy. It's the closest we're going to get to a flying car for now. Yeah. The automaker showed the full-scale concept at, uh, of one at the CES Technology Show this week. Reader's report, quoting Hyundai Executive Vice Chairman, Esun Chung, that the automaker <laughs> expects to have air taxis flying around metropolitan skies by 2028, and Uber plans to have its Uber air ride sharing program launched by 2023. So if you want to fly people around for a living, you can. The personal air vehicle concept is fully electric and has vertical takeoff and landing capabilities. It's meant to cruise at speeds of up to 180 miles per hour at 1,000, 2,000 feet above ground. Hyundai says that it'll just take five to seven minutes to recharge during a surge. And no need to worry, this thing will be piloted for now at least. Hyundai says that the future plan is that they will be autonomous. This design concept is meant to push innovation and development for wing design, noise, aerodynamics, and simulation verification. Noise is important when it comes to urban areas because it uses distributed electric propulsion and several smaller rotors 
The S-A1 is quieter than large rotor helicopters with internal combustion engines. The pilot seems to get the most legroom, although the flying Hyundai has room for four passengers in the rear. We just hope some of the drivers deck them out with cabin lights and supply the Fiji water bottles and breath mints. Yeah. I mean, that's sketch, dude. I don't know if I'm going to take it. Who is going to take an Uber to fly somewhere? Gary V. Like, imagine, like, (laughs) planes are no longer just a thing, and you can just order Ubers on your phone. And there's, like, a bunch of little Uber stations with planes. And then you just like That's so it's like it's like a private jet, but but you're not you don't have to pay thirty grand like you're just paying a couple thousand dollars. And they're probably not going to be that big either. They could probably just land a small backyard. Yeah, like you know, my I I bet one day like um, air travel companies will kind of like no longer be a thing, like Alaska Airlines and Southwest Delta and all those people. Like, I bet you, I bet you, you know, it might be, you know, 15 years from now or 100 years from now or 300 years from now that those things will end. But I bet you at some point in time, they're either going to be totally reinvented or they will end. Mm-hmm. But one of the two. What? But yes. I don't know. I don't know about you guys, but I don't know if I'd be taking an Uber air taxi anytime soon. I've actually never ridden an Uber, first of all. I've never been in an Uber. But the design's really cool. It has one, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight propellers. Um, it has two propellers on the front that move from standing up and then it can lay down to a horizontal so it can fly straight. And then it has two more propellers right next to the um, actual cabin that stay pointing upwards to help with the vertical takeoff. And then it has two propellers behind the main propellers that move up. And those two propellers in the back um, stay uh, stay flat for vertical takeoff. And then it's got two more on the wing to help with vertical takeoff as well. And those two more on the wing are like the front ones where they move down. Um, so you can fly um vertical at 180 miles an hour like an actual plane would interesting design i just never thought hyundai and uber would be the ones doing it then we we did a a talk about porsche who did they team up with i forgot but they're teaming up to come up with a all electric something literally all this is that hyundai and uber put together is literally just a human-sized drone yeah. Okay, because it's all electric. It's literally just a drone that can fit people inside of it. <laughs> it actually is. It's literally all this. Kind of dumb, but kind of genius at the same time. But you know what's even worse? <laughs> you know what's even more kind of dumb, but even more kind of genius? This custom Dodge Challenger SRT oh. Demon convertible. And, uh, yeah, some guy in Florida made this Demon into a convertible. It's 2018 Demon. And still has everything on it except the roof. (laughs) Drop Top Customs took the roof off a 2018 Dodge Challenger SRT Demon and replaced the structural strength loss with the roof removal throughout the car. The used one-owner convertible is listed at $145,995 on consignment, as Motor Authority first reported. In addition to its AHAM appearance, another selling point is that it only has 172 miles on the odometer. 
It isn't often that a car built for a drag strip offers you the opportunity to let the wind blow through your hair as you scream down the strip. (laughs) More often than not, that's for the best, but that doesn't make the prospect of doing that just less intriguing. Drop Top Customs has converted an 840 horsepower 2018 Dodge Challenger SRT Demon into a convertible as originally spotted by Motor Authority. This kind of conversion is no new feat for Drop Top Customs. They've done the same thing to the other challengers for celebrity customer Shaquille O'Neal. <laughs> Shaquille O'Neal would be a person that would drive a convertible yes. Dodge Challenger with a wide body kit. Yeah. But although plenty of websites offer suggestions on how to convert your hardtop to a convertible, or more often, no top, it isn't exactly that simple. Especially for a car with this kind of power, in order to replace some of the structural integrity lost with the removal of the roof, Drop Top Customs added one by 2 inch pieces of metal to the frame rails to reinforce them, a process described to MA. They also added diagonally mounted metal braces on the underside of the car to counter-twist and put structural supports in the trunk, and the front and rear shock towers. So they put strut bars on them. Additionally, the perimeter was reinforced by four or more inches of metal and placed behind the windshield header, and gussets were added. I don't know what a gusset is. Were added to the bottom rear corner of each door to help keep them from moving. It wasn't specified how much weight the conversion added. The added convertible roof is automatic and takes about 20 seconds to move up and down. The Challenger is... On its second owner, but somehow it only has 172 miles on the odometer, and it's listed at $145,995. But a salesman at the Cape Corral Chrysler Dodge Jeep and Ram dealership told authorities. Um, well, that just means whoever's bought it took it for one drive and then hated it and put it for sale. It only has 172 miles on it. That's funny. I don't know about you guys, but I don't think I'd be in the market for dying buying a demon, <laughs> let alone a convertible one. <laughs> I don't know if I'm in the market for dying. I'm yeah. Are you in the market for dying? I'm no. not in the market for dying. I'm not in the market for buying either. $145,000? Oh, hell no. Is that how much they're worth? No. He's just selling it for that much because it's convertible? Yeah, it's one of a kind. So that's why he's put a ton of upcharge on it. So I could just take a bunch of parts off my car, say it's one of a kind, and sell it for like. Well, yeah, you could freaking take the engine out and fucking take all the wheels off and be like, yo, it's one of a kind. (laughs) You could freaking carve a hole in the hood and be like, yo, it's one of a kind. 100 grand. Put one of those tiny little black hood scoops on it. Yeah. One of a kind, bro. One of a kind 300ZX hood scoop. (laughs) Hit me up. Yeah, you could do that. I'm not saying anybody's going to buy it, <laughs> but you can do that. It's not impossible. Oh, no. Imagine seeing that list. Like, oh, you scroll dude, through on like, Craigslist, and you're like, what the hell? You're like, dude, I'm so going to buy that. How much is it? 50000 So worth it for that hood scoop. It's so funny when people buy those hood scoops that you can just, like, slap on your hood. Mm. But there's actually, like, no hole in your hood, so it's just, like, suddenly making you slower. Because it's just holding air in the hood scoop, and the air's just hitting it and going nowhere. Get wrecked. All right, guys, that's all we have for the podcast today. I want to say thank you for tuning in. If you guys haven't go haven't checked out the YouTube or the Instagram yet, uh, please go check it out. They're both at Five Hundred Nine Car Club, 
And make sure you guys go tell a friend, a family member who are all car enthusiasts to make sure to listen to the podcast because, you know, we're the best one in the 509. All right. Thanks again, guys.